that's broken. Um, how's everybody doing? Good. It's a good start to the service, ain't it? Yeah. How many people um, last week took it serious? I can't see if your hands are up, but how many people took it serious last week and began to inventory your words this week? Anybody? Handful of us. Was it easy? <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't. Um, I, I, um, I took the challenge just like everybody else should have. Um, and it, it's hard when you start to think about the words that come out of your mouth, right? It's, it's not an easy thing. And uh, this week, a few people had texted me and found loopholes on how to complain, but it's all about how you bookend it on whether or not it comes off like a complaint. Um, not sure that's how that works, but uh, you can justify it. That's fine. Um, that's great. But um, today is, uh, is a good day, and we're going to continue into words. How many people love words? Yeah, like nobody. I feel bad. Last week I could see you, and this week I cannot. I think we're going to go lights on. Yeah. I got used to it. I'm just going to, there we go, there we go, there we go. Now everybody can see. There's no hiding now, right? Um, but uh, how many people think about every step when you eat something? Does anybody ever think like every step? You think about every pot, like think about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. How many people like peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Sorry, Josh, you can't have that. Um, but think about it. I need to go get a plate. I need to grab a knife. How, does anybody use two knives? Okay. Oh, you do? What are you teaching your kids? Not, okay, that's not on you. Okay. All right. No. No. You don't mix it in the jelly. No, you wipe it on the other piece of bread. Oh, right? Yeah. It doesn't get clean enough. Yes, it, you, you take multiple swipes. It's like a, never mind. It's like, it's like a napkin. Uh, it's like a food napkin. That's what the bread is. Gosh. You do the same thing when you have soup, right? You take bread and you wipe it around the bowl. It's like a food napkin, right? Yes. Anyways, let's get back to making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So you know you got to get a plate, and you you gotta you gotta grab a knife, because now we've established everybody just uses one knife except for you. Uh, <laughs> and then you go to the cupboard. Wait, before you do that, you gotta set the plate down and set the knife down. Then you go to the cupboard, right? You open the cupboard door. You find what you need. You get your peanut butter out. You get your bread out. You go to the refrigerator. Wait, nope. You got to put your peanut butter down and then your bread, right? If we thought about it every time we wanted to eat something, we would never eat, right? And it's because we have been so wired on how to do things that we, there's things in our lives that we don't have to think about and we still are able to do them, right? We're still working on potty training Otto. And you know what he does? It kills me. 
but he will look at me and go, dad, I have to pee. And I'm like, okay, dad, I really have to pee. And I'm like, yep, there's a bathroom right there. Right. And I don't know what, I think he's got to process how to do it. Right. And then sometimes he goes, whoops. Right. (laughs) Because his brain's not wired like mine and like yours, hopefully, <laughs> where we're like, I got to go, right? <laughs> right? You just don't stand there and be like, oh man, I got what do I do? Right? And so that's how our brains are wired. And that's the beauty of how God made us. Our brains are beautiful, aren't they? A little messed up, some of us, but our brains are beautiful. We, they're, they're just, we start to do things. And as we learn them, We just naturally can do it, right? Once you know how to play a video game, do you have to think about where the buttons are? Come on, younger people, where are you at? No, no, you don't. You just know where they're at, right? When you jump into a car, do you have to think about how to drive that car like you did the first time you got in it? Or got your license? No, you just, some of us should think about how we try, (laughs) but no, you just jump in and do it because that's how our brains are wired. And the thing is though, is as we speak, we are wiring our brains so that we can easily continue to use negative words. And what happens is it's actually pretty scientific and I don't want to get into it because I want to get to all the good stuff today. But the thing is, though, is is the way God made our brain, he made it to be efficient. He made it so that we could easily get through tasks. But when we start to do things, our brain begins to bridge itself. Neurons in our brains begin to bridge itself with other neurons. I'm going to say it wrong because I'm not a scientist and that's fine. Nobody's going to judge me because that's negative words. Um... But it begins to bridge to each other. And the more often we do it, the more permanent that bridge becomes. And it's becoming permanent that way when something comes up that triggers that moment that our brain knows, now's the time to say something negative. It allows us to easily move through that task. How many people know that it's easy to say something negative and not even think about it? Yeah. You can, you can have every good intention of being positive and your brain automatically has a bridge that when something happens, you immediately go, and you don't even think about it. How many people have seen the movie Click with Adam Sandler? No spiritual value in that movie whatsoever. I've not ever seen it. I know friends and people who have. I don't own it. Um... No, I've watched it many times. I love, I love it. It's funny. But he got to a place in his life, you know, he had the remote control. Every time something happened he didn't want to deal with, he fast forwarded. And then the controller realized every time one of these things happens, I'm just going to automatically fast forward. And then before he knew it, he was old. And he was like, did I miss my whole life? Because his life was full of arguments and his life life was full of letdowns and his life was full of things that he didn't want to deal with. His life was full of sickness that he didn't want to deal with. And all of a sudden he realized like, I've missed it. And that's how our brains are. It's like, oh, this is going to happen. Then here's a word that you can say, right? Here's a thought you can have. And that's how it works. And that's how simple it is. 
When you complain enough, your brain begins to get restructured. Right? Because then you can find the negative first. Does anybody know anybody like that? Don't look at them. Just, just raise your hand. All right? It's easier to find fault then, isn't it? Just this morning, I'm going to call myself out on it. I have one particular hairbrush that only works for my hair, right? Scott, you understand that, right? I have one particular hairbrush. And I, I walked into the bathroom and I said, Lindsay, I haven't combed my hair all week long. Don't judge me. Wore hats, right? And I said, that hairbrush was there yesterday and it's not here today and I have to do my hair today. And she was like, what do you want me to do about it? And I'm like, nobody else would have moved it except for you. And she opened up the drawer, which is not where I put it. I just want to say that now. And I'm not complaining right now. She opened up the drawer and she grabbed it and she goes, here it is. And I go, oh. And she goes, hmm. And I was like, yep. Right? But it's easy to find fault, isn't it? It's not our fault. <laughs> it's yours, right? Or this one. It's easier now as you begin to complain to be able to view life as glass half empty and not half full, right? It's easier to look at difficulties and impossibilities in our lives, isn't it? And so then we, we establish complaining. Does anybody feel like you've established some complaining in your life? Yeah, okay. And once we establish it, it actually becomes our default behavior. Where no matter what happens, we find the negative, right? You could, you could get some money that you weren't expecting to get, and then all you think about is, well, I'm going to lose it all because now I got to pay all those bills that I haven't been paying right? You just got blessed, but you're going to find the negative because it's your default. And so then we fall into this place where we automatically view ourselves, our circumstances, and other people around us in a negative light, right? In Proverbs 18.20, it says this. It's a verse that we talked about quickly last week, and I just want to Touch on it again so it gets stuck in our brains. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. If you speak negative things, if you, if you just find yourself constantly in this state of I'm Eeyore, right? It's just a tale, right? If you find yourself in that state, I just want you to know, negativity, complaining, does not bring life. Negativity and complaining brings death. So if your lips are full of negativity, you're just bringing death today, right? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4 says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. And on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We've talked about strongholds before, right? Some of the th things that we're going to talk about, we're, we've talked about before. But I think it's important to, to reestablish the fact that 
strongholds in our minds come from past wounds or past truths that we've believed. Now, past truths that we've believed are usually lies. Amen? Where you've believed a lie about yourself or about something in your life, and now you've, you've allowed a stronghold to be established in your mind. And, and, and we've actually gotten to a place where the only way strongholds can be put into our minds, and this is going to be hard, is, is we've given the devil permission to put them there with our words. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 6.11 says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The thing is, is, is we have the freedom. As soon as we say, Jesus, I want you in my life. The old us is gone and there's a new us that's born right then and there. And so in that moment, all the things from your past are done and over and you are a new creature. But the devil wants us to view things with his perspective, right? He comes in and he weaves his lies and he wants us to view everything from his lens, right? his twists and his turns. And and he wants you to complain about it now, right? That's what the world is doing. Complain about it. Squeaky wheel gets the what? Right. Isn't that the philosophy? How many people love squeaky wheels? Got one on your car, you're in trouble, right? (laughs) And the thing is, is, is I want you to understand this and, and, and grasp this today because I didn't, even though I've talked about strongholds, I didn't think about it like this. Every time we say something negative, every time we gripe about something, every time we complain about something, every time we have a negative thought come out of our mouth, this is exactly what we're doing. We're looking at the devil and saying, here's another brick to build that stronghold in my mind. And then once we give them enough bricks, then we go, here, here's a, here's a bucket of joint compound, or not joint compound, that's not how you build walls. Um, but here's, here's another bucket of, of uh, man, I'm drawing a blank right now. Mortar. Yeah, I have it in my notes. I just walked away from them. Here's another bucket of mortar so you can, you can make that stronghold strong. Every time we say something that isn't reflective of what Jesus did in our lives, we're just helping construct that stronghold. That's hard to chew on. Because as I thought about that, I thought, man, I've built, I've helped the devil build some pretty big strongholds in my life then. Every time I spoke something negative. And he does that so that he can keep his position in our minds. I know, some of you are like, well, the devil's not in my mind. You don't have any negative thoughts? You don't say anything negative? Philippians 2.14 says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing. How many people? Yeah, that's, that's the verse I live by every day, right? <laughs> do everything! <laughs> 
I put on pants and I grumble. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, let's be real, right? I walk outside sometimes and I grumble, mainly because I have a German shepherd that goes to the bathroom a lot. And I didn't realize how much, right? <laughs> and just realized that I was talking about poo. Uh, <laughs> But here's the thing, though, is in that verse, what God is giving us is he's giving us an instruction so we don't fall for the devil's schemes. He's saying, don't do just just do everything without complaining, because if you start to complain, you're going to fall for what the enemy's going to bring at your door. Right. If you're going to complain, you're just allowing him a foothold. Right? And he keeps us in that bondage. And here's the thing though. Jesus died so that we would have freedom from that stuff. Right? He died so that strongholds wouldn't be in our mind. He died, he died so our hearts would be totally just pointing towards him. That's why he died so we could experience freedom. But yet we sit here today and we have strongholds in our mind that the enemy has put there and we feel down and out, right? We get to a place where we feel like I can't, I just can't do this anymore. Anybody feel like that? Anybody feel like you got the weight of the world on your shoulders and you're not sure what to do. And it's because there's a stronghold in your mind that makes you think that, right? Jesus came for freedom, came to give it to us. What's that look like? I'm glad you asked me that because I want to answer that. Because this is what it looks like. When we make statements that are sarcastic or in frustration or, or annoyed or disgusted or whiny or in an angry tone, we are helping him. And I want to give you an idea of what that sounds like. Everybody, when I say one that you've said before, raise your hand. I'm going to do it with you. Everybody all together, even online, just raise your hand. It's fine. I don't like. Okay, good. That was a test. I wish they would or wouldn't. Right. Okay. Are you just leaving your hand up? Because you just know. Like I probably said all of these, right? <laughs> I like your participation and your commitment. I love that. <laughs> it makes me mad when. <laughs> yeah, right now people are working stuff out. Right now they're like, oh, you don't even know. Huh? I hate it when. Yeah. I hate it when we lose in Michigan. Um, I can't stand. Right? I'm sick of. Why do they have to, right? They got on my nerves, right? That is so annoying. That is so stupid. That's a swear word in my house. Just, it's easier, right? Right, right. She just peer pressured us into doing this. Why in the world would anyone? <laughs> Why in the world would anyone put a crosswalk where it's not supposed to be? Come on. Oh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. That was a big issue. I know. I, sorry. Everybody's still sore about that. They fixed it. All right. 
It's terrible. It's awful. It's ridiculous. It's absurd that blank, right? We've all said those things. So since all of us put our hands up and are very open and transparent right now, understand that we have given the devil a brick or 10 or enough to build a house, right? So it's a problem, right? You saw my hand up. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm there too. I just told Jared that this morning. I was sitting behind the sound booth and I go, you know what's hard about sermons like this? And he's like, what? And I go, they kill me too, (laughs) right? But here's the thing though. We make these statements. We hand these bricks off, but we make these statements to these people. Our spouse, our kids, our family, our friends, our coworkers, strangers, work, our salary, responsibilities, church, leadership, decisions, government, politicians, changes that are implemented anywhere, food, how they organize the grocery store, come on, how the traffic lights work and how they don't work, come on, the weather, right? We make those statements about all of those things. And when you look at that, that's our whole life. I'm not a chef, but I've gone to a restaurant and complained about how I didn't think the food tasted right. Right? I'm not an artist, but I've looked at art and been like, that ain't art. (laughs) Right? I'm not an athlete, but I wanted to drop that pass that just got thrown to the end zone. Right? (laughs) Right? Yeah, all of you are like, yeah, you would have. Ah, they get it. But we do it, don't we? Even if we're not good at something, we will we will criticize the snot out of it, won't we? I told, I briefly spoke on it last week. We've got jobs that are just strictly to criticize, right? Watch Ratatouille. All they cared about was the food critic, right? That's all they cared about. Critics are everywhere. And when we speak those things, all we're doing is just solidifying that stronghold that's in our mind. All we're doing is just solidifying where the enemy's got his foothold in our thoughts. Every time he's just like, yes, speak more, right? And you know how it goes. You get negative about one thing. You find the person that feels the same way about it. And what do you do? You just, and you were like, this is amazing. You ever been in one of those conversations where you've got a negative opinion about, so I've been there. I love it. Right. Let's just be real. I love it when somebody sees things the same way I see things. And we both love the negativity that we see it through. Right. Like, let's talk about how nobody wants to watch Alabama and Georgia play the national championship. It don't matter if you root for Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. It don't matter. We're like, no, you should have been broke up. We don't want a rematch, right? We we could have that conversation right now and I would love it, (laughs) but it's negative. But stop it, Ann. You're the only one in here that just said that. (laughs) 
<laughs> you just are saying that because Penn State didn't go anywhere. Um, that, wasn't, that wasn't negative. That was the facts. Um, <laughs> but isn't that the truth, though? Thank you for allowing that to happen, because isn't that the truth? We can't even see the difference between a fact and a negative thought. Because we bookend it like that, don't we? I could be mean to you, Ann, about Penn State being so bad. And then look at you and say, but it's a fact. (laughs) But my words were just negative towards you. And that's how much the devil has messed up our words. That's how big his stronghold is in our mind, is that we can't see the difference between a fact and just garbage that we shouldn't say. Right? Yeah. We still got 14 more minutes. Woo! And 20 more pages of notes. We'll get there. One page per minute, we won't get there. Um, but you know another aspect of complaining is criticism? There's a slight difference, right? To criticize someone is to find fault with them. To complain about a particular aspect of the person, efforts, decisions, or work. Right? How many people have been critical? Come on. Everybody be real. Put two hands up if you've been super critical. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. Okay. But we've all been critical of something. Right? They didn't do it the way I wanted to do it. Even if it's something that we... Can, can I just... Can I just say, like, we are critical of things that we don't even have anywhere near close control of, right? Like, think about that. We, we will be critical of the government, and we, we don't, anything we say, it's not going to matter, right? We will criticize the Detroit Lions, And they're never going to listen to us. They should have. We would have won two Super Bowls by now. (laughs) But we will criticize things that we don't even have control over. Right? We we criticize things that we will never even. (laughs) They'll be like, who are you? Right? Right? And we're like, well, my, my opinion matters though. Right? And social media has made it so much easier, hasn't it? Be, yeah, that's, everybody's like, mm, I hate that. Uh, you are now given a platform that anybody can see now. You can tweet it. You can pop it on Instagram. You can throw it up on Facebook. You can say whatever you want to say about whatever you want to say it about. I'm going to be real with you. I have, and nobody has seen it. Well, I do. I'm going to tell everybody, I'm off of social media right now. It feels good. All of it. All of it. I got Facebook Messenger. That's all I got still. But we will do this thinking that our criticism is going to make a difference. And we will waste so much time doing it. And isn't that a waste of time? It's just a waste. I'm sorry. That's, I just, was just like thinking about that right now. And we can be vicious with our criticism, can't we? 
The other day, I just told somebody, I said, I, I listened to some sports announcers talk about 19-year-old kids. Because I'm old enough now, I feel like at 19, I can still call you a kid. And we, they, will, they will tell, they will on national television say, he, he's just not good enough. He's just not pulling his weight on the team. He just, he shouldn't even be a starter. And I'm like, he's a kid. That's ridiculous, right? But we'll be vicious with it. Well, he'll never make it to the draft. This is going to be a college graduate. Thank you for speaking those words into my life, right? That's rough. In Galatians 5.15, it says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Can I tell you at churches, I don't really feel like it's here, but at churches, we do a good job of, of biting each other in the back. Like we're vicious sometimes. And we're like, that's my brother and sister. We're just going to just kick you while you're down. Tear you down because you messed up. You made a mistake that I made when I was your age too, but I'm way past that now, so I'm going to judge you for it. Right? We'll do that. Like I said, I don't feel like it's here as much, and if it is, you guys are really good at hiding it. But I don't think it is. But, but Christians will just tear each other down. When a pastor that's well known in our country, slips up and makes a mistake that all of us probably have made in our past, we are the first ones to cut him at the knees and to judge him for his mistake that humans make. Right? I've watched it happen. We've, we, in this past year, we've had multiple big-name pastors make mistakes and come under national scrutiny for that mistake. How many people have made a mistake this week? Right? Right? Yeah. It's not making the headlines in the news, though, that we made that mistake, is it? Oh. But man, we... Watch out. Luke eleven thirty five says, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. Yeah. I read that and I was like, shouldn't have put that in the notes. That hurts. <laughs> How many people think that? Like, man, like you think like I'm doing things right and we could very well be just spreading darkness. Right. If anything, I read that and I was like, whoa, God. And then I was like, is that me? Right? You almost have to do a check. Like, I don't want to spread darkness. You know, we argue because we complain and criticize, right? We debate. Anybody like a good debate? I bought a game because I thought it would be fun to play with my friends. It's called I Dissent. Don't buy it. You'll never play it again after you play it once. But the debate was, is a hot dog a sandwich. 
just chew on it. There's also one of if the toilet paper roll should go down behind or go over top. It could start, don't let's not go there. This is a, no. I could see everybody like, yeah, let me know. Exactly. That is the right answer. Because I found out in this game I was doing it wrong. And she looked at me and said, are you kidding me? And I was like, yes, I was kidding. I do it that way too. I had a, it was a, there was a good philosophy behind the way I do it though. But anyways, whew, that's going to stop. <laughs> we have heated discussions about anything and everything based only on our opinions. Right? You have an opinion, you find out somebody else has the opposite opinion, what do you want to do? Let's talk this out. <laughs> Let's talk. It's not talking. It's debating. In this past couple years, we've had debates on standing or kneeling at sports events. Right? Everybody instantly is like, why are you bringing up 2020? We have debates and arguments on whether an elephant or a donkey should run our country. Yeah, when you say it like that, it's like maybe we shouldn't debate about that. I choose the monkey. <laughs> like, like, <right? laughs> Just because it wasn't the elephant or the donkey. We will have debates or heated conversations about the meaning of Scripture. Right? And then the fruit of complaining and criticizing and arguing. You know what those fruits are? Frustration, discouragement, unhappiness, and a host of other negative effects in your life. Because we're just complaining and criticizing and going through all the things. Our minds are so stuffed with negative thoughts that there is no room sometimes for positive things. Anybody ever been there? You've been so just, ugh, just seeing red so much that when somebody who has something positive to say to you, you just look at them and go, not now. Anybody ever been there? Because you know it's coming. I've had those moments with my wife where I'm just like, I don't want to hear it right now. And she just says, Nick. And I'm like, no. And she's like, Nicholas. That's when you know it's serious. And I'm like, nope, I know what you're going to say, and I don't want anything positive, <laughs> right? I just want to see red right now, right? And that's where we get so much complaining and so much negativity that, that all we can do is just be full of it. But you know that it's so easy to point out criticism in other people or call criticism out from other people that we miss the one biggest critic in our lives. And that's us. We will call out everybody else's criticism, but we never speak to how we criticize ourselves. We never speak to that. We never speak to the things that we say to ourselves that we would never say to anybody else. 
We would, never, we would never talk about how we make ourselves feel and we would never want anybody else around us to feel that way. We sometimes are our biggest critic. I've dealt with this my whole life, really. It was so bad that when I started, when I started preaching here in 2019, every time I walked off the stage, I would go directly to my wife and I would whisper in her ear and go, was that good enough? Because I needed to be validated by somebody, right? And she just looked at me, one of these moments where she was like, I'm going to give you something positive. And she looked at me and she said, are you wanting to be validated by people or are you wanting to be validated by God? But because of myself, my own criticism that I brought on myself, I thought I needed to please you. And I just need to be a willing vessel to say what he wants to say, right? We're critics of ourselves. Ephesians 4.29, it says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Do you know we read that? How many people have read that one before? We read that and we think, oh, that's, I need to be that way towards somebody else, but we never apply that to us. We never apply it and say, I don't need to use foul or abusive language to me. Everything I say to me needs to be good and helpful so that my words can be an encouragement to myself. Do we? Do we ever say it like that? All we think is I need to take care of how I speak to everybody else. And, in, and, and what you're doing is you're speaking great to everybody else, but you're dogging yourself the whole time. Somebody pays you a compliment and inside you're like, they're blind, Right? Somebody tells you, man, that was so good. And you're just like, no, it wasn't right. Somebody, somebody gives you a raise at work because of your work. And then all of a sudden you're like, I don't deserve this. Anybody ever said that before? <laughs> Josh, Josh is like, no, I deserve everything I get. Uh, <laughs> but we do that. Don't we? We're, we're like, I don't, I don't inside of ourselves. We're like, I don't deserve that. If people only knew, right. Anybody ever said that to yourself? People only knew. They, would, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't talk to me like that. But we would never speak like that to somebody else. Psalm 139, 14 says this, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full and well. Can I just pause there? You are fearfully and wonderfully made by the artist of all artists. You were made by the creator the being that existed before everything else existed. He chose to make you, you. You're wonderfully made. Feel like you need to hear that today. You. You can look in the mirror and say, I've been wonderfully made by the creator, right? He handcrafted you. You're his workmanship. You're made in his image. Man, right then we should immediately start talking to ourselves differently, shouldn't we? To think that he made us the way he made us because that's what he wanted. He designed us tall or small or skinny or wide because that's how he made us. 
But we'll critique that, won't we? Anybody ever said, man, I wish I was taller? I do. I always wanted to play football in the big leagues. And then I realized that six foot is not good enough. Unless you're super fast. <laughs> nope. So, right, I was always like, man, I wish I would be like 6'4". I would have been one heck of a lineman, right? Now linemen catch passes and touchdowns and get glory. <sighs> um, <laughs> right? Anybody ever said like, man, I wish I, wish I, was, I wish I was skinnier? Come on, I know, I know a lot of people have said that. I say it every year, <laughs> right? Has anybody ever said, I wish I had a little bit more meat on my bones? Okay, there's some of us, yeah. Okay, cool. I was throwing that out there just to see. If there was a way I could give you mine, I would. Romans 8.1 says this, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Colossians 2.15 says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, trying, triumphing over them by the cross. Can I just tell you that in that moment, the devil was silenced. In that moment, the devil thought, I won. He's dead. I win. And then Jesus came back and said, hello. Right? And the devil, I'm sure, was like, shoot, <laughs> right? Silenced. In death, he silenced the devil. He was like, shut up. Your words don't matter no more. Stop it. And in that moment, it says right back in Romans, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. We, we can triumph over the enemy and we don't have to listen to that garbage anymore. The problem is, is we've been listening for it too long and we think, I, I, I don't think I'll ever change. We've been dealing with it for so long that it's, it's just, it, I, this is just me. I, he's just going to have to love me through it, right? Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. How many times do we come to the Lord and we think, you are going to judge me? Come on. You think to yourself, I've done something so wrong, God, that you're going to judge me and I don't want it. And right there it says, <laughs> he will rejoice over you with singing. Your God loves you so much <laughs> that even in your worst, when you feel like your life is in shambles and you've done so much wrong, he's not going to come in and judge you and rebuke you. He's going to come in and he's going to just sing praises over you. Philippians 4, 8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. <laughs> you. Think about such things about you. The devil's been shut up. 
And even though he speaks, we don't have to listen to that garbage. Even though he tries to, to keep that stronghold where it's supposed to stay, we don't have to buy into it. We can start throwing our own rocks at it to tear it down. That only happens when we partner with God. We've been doing this negativity thing for so long. And for some of us, the devil's had a stronghold in our minds for so long. I just told somebody the other day, think about a stronghold. I, th I like to think about like, you know, like Lord of the Rings castles and things like that. There's an outer wall to the stronghold. But because of us allowing the devil to see in our minds, there's inner walls in a stronghold. There's places that even though you breach the front gate that you still have to address. You still have to tear down so the devil can't have that stronghold anymore. And it all starts with partnering with our father in heaven. being able to allow him to affirm who we are in his love. Being able to come to him knowing that he is a loving father, knowing that he is not going to judge us, he's not going to cast shame on us, but he's going to come and he's going to say, finally, finally, this is what I've wanted. I think about a time in my life where I kind of turned my back on my own, my, my whole family and my family and I are, are pretty tight. And I wanted to do things my own way, right? Anybody ever been there? My dad was my best friend and I stopped talking to him. Stop talking to my mom. I stopped talking to everybody and I just did what I, I lived in the same house, but I wasn't speaking. I was just doing what I wanted to do. And even though at the end of it, I felt like I needed to apologize, my earthly father didn't expect me to. And I think about that and it's the same expectation that our heavenly father has too. He doesn't expect us to come back and give the list of everything we've done wrong. He just wants us back. He just wants us to lay it down. He wants us to say, hey, I can't tear this stronghold out of my mind by myself and I just need your help, dad. That's all he wants. But we've got to be willing We've got to be willing to say, Dad, because sometimes I, I've spoke to God like that, right? I can't do this. God, I'm not strong enough. God, this thing's been in my life for way too long and I can't get it out. I don't want to be this negative anymore. I don't want to talk like this anymore. I want good things to come out. I don't want, I don't want these things anymore. And all he's asking is just let me, let me carry that for you. To let us know that he's on our side working for us. And you know what the devil does? He tells us, 
you're not good enough. You've messed up for far too long. You've said so many nasty things that have ruined people's lives, including your own. He's not going to want you. It's the thing that keeps us in our pew when the altars are open. We don't have pews. It's the thing that keeps us in our chairs when the altar's open. It's the enemy in his stronghold saying, no, you don't need to go down. You don't have that big of problems. Once we can partner with God, we have to allow, and this is the part that, that goes the next place. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and help us recognize the areas that need attention. So we're going to partner with God and then allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts for the areas that we know need attention. And then, this is what I love about Jesus. We have to lean into Jesus and asking for that strength as we are gently brought into correction. As things in our lives are gently brought up that we need to take care of. Because if we don't lean into Jesus, self-criticism will begin to bleed in. That self-criticism that we do will just bleed in. And you won't discover wholeness or peace. In Psalm 26 too, it says, test me Lord and try me examine my heart and my mind. And that's a real prayer right there. Psalm 139, 23 to 24 says, search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offense way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. All we've got to do is give God the keys and say, God, search me and lead me to where you want to take me. I've done this too long by myself. I've, I've, I've tried to, 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 to shift this and shift that and try to make it work. God, I, I can't. I can't. So lead me where you want me to go. We've got to be willing to invite God into every part of our heart. I've said this for a long time. But we've got to allow him to go anywhere he wants to go. We have to give him the freedom to say, God, go wherever you want to go. Go through every closet, every room, everything. Go to the basement, go to my shed. Because, <laughs> you know, we just throw garbage in shed. Go everywhere you want to go. Tell him, inspect my thoughts, examine my attitudes, look at my perspective, see into my perceptions, shine your light on my words, expose my motives, and show me the things that I don't see, and then uncover the things I've hidden. 
complete freedom to do what he wants to do. And then we go and we talk about everything that he brings up. Everything that God wants to speak or talk about, we talk to him about and that's it. We don't bring up things that we think we need to talk about. (laughs) Because we're all guilty of that, aren't we? We just take to God what we think we need to talk about. And he's like, no, I want to talk about this. And then we follow his lead. Then we ask him to teach us. Psalm 143.10 says this, teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. We need God to help us avoid the future snares and traps that the enemy sets before us. But we need to be willing to give him the permission to lead us and guide us where he wants us to go. I feel like sometimes we need to put on spiritual backpacks that have a leash on them. We've all put them on our kids or at least seen somebody who's done it, right? Because how many people know that when we start to walk with God, We're like, but I want to go over here, right? And I almost want to give God permission to be like, just yank me back over where you are, God, right? Because how many people know when you start to drift off, you can get farther and farther to the point where you can't even see God anymore. The last thing we need to make sure we do is ask God for revelation. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. We need to ask him, God, who do you say I am? For far too long, the devil has told us through our words or our thoughts or other people's lies to us that we've deemed as truths. For far too long, we have accepted who we think we are the lie of who we think we are. And we've got to be able to say, God, who do you say I am? Because here's the beautiful thing about when we do all these things. We remove the lie of the enemy and then we replace it with what God says we are. We remove the lie and we add the truth to fill what we think is that void, but it should have been the thing that was always there to be able to see us through his lens. God, show me what you see when you look down onto me. Show me who you think I am, God. Because I've believed a lie that I know I'm not, but I want to know who you say I am. And then here's the thing begin to speak out humbly who he says you are. Not in a cocky way, right? Because God has said some things to me that if I said that out loud in a cocky way, it would sound horrible. To be able to speak out humbly the beautiful things that God says you are. God, I'm wonderfully made. God, I'm made in your image. I'm going to be real. God's looked at me and he's like, you're fine. (laughs) 
That's how God talks to me. You're fine. Well, what's that mean, God? <laughs> You're fine. Don't worry about it. You're fine. But we've got to be able to change the perception in our minds. We've got to be able to rewire our brains to get that stronghold that the devil has put there for far too long and get it out and start to speak in and allow God to speak in who he says we are. That's the only way true freedom happens in that stronghold. It's the only way that your negative thoughts change. It's the only way that your negative words change is to allow God to continue to speak into you of who you are. Continue to tear down the stronghold. Continue to move in your life. So today I want to pray. And I haven't talked to anybody about this. So surprise. But I just feel like we've got to Feel like we got to go here. Um, my leadership team could just make yourself available. I want to allow anybody the opportunity and we can cut the live feed so your cousins don't see it. But I can't leave this this building without at least giving you the opportunity to come down and, and, and partner with somebody who isn't going to judge you, who isn't going to blab your stuff to anybody, who, who isn't going to do that, who's just going to partner with you and say, let's take it to God. I can't leave without that. So I'm going to pray. And if you got to go, you can go. But if you want to spend time in your seat or you want to come down and you want to pray with somebody because you don't know where to start, you don't know how to begin and you just need somebody to help you, please take this time at the beginning of this year to not keep that stronghold stuck inside your brain, to not keep that foothold that the devil has inside your mind there, please. I had no idea what Jared was going to say today, but I'm glad he said it because sometimes we got to take care of our stuff, don't we? We got to clean house, don't we? So I'm going to pray and then I just want leaders to make yourself available in the altar area here and we'll just play some music and we'll stay as long as we want to. Yeah, before I pray though, Life group signups are in the back. You can also get on our app and you can sign up through the app. It will directly, it starts Tuesday and Wednesday. This week is our first week in session two. Um, please, if you didn't get in a small group last time, get in one because we're doing life together and things are happening and God is moving in our life groups. And if you want any proof of that, ask one of our life group leaders, find somebody who's been in one and they will tell you that you're missing out. So, um, definitely sign up for that. But I'm going to pray. If you got to go, you can go. If not, just take whatever time you need. Please take whatever time you need today. God, I just pray. God, I thank you.
God, I thank you. I thank you that you spoke today, God. I thank you, God, that your word is living and it's true for us today, God. And so I know, Father, that you're not judging us today. But God, you're singing your praises over your children today. And God, I just pray today, Father, that you just continue to speak to your people, Father, as they go and as they they travel into this week. But God, I, I pray, Father, that if there is an ounce, just an ounce, Father, of a need to connect with you today, Father, I pray, God, that the devil be shut up right now. Let the lies of the enemy just be silenced right now, Father, and your truth begin to speak to each and every person in this room. God, I pray, Father, that you have your way in this moment, God. Father, I I, I pray, God, for the people who need to leave today. Father, bless them, God, but continue to speak to them this week, Father. But God, I pray for the people who who are going to take some time here who are going to take some time here, Father, to let you be God and to let the Holy Spirit speak and let Jesus be present, Father. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your church. God, I love you. Amen.